Welcome into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauly. I have you for the next hour till 9 o'clock as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball here on WTMJ. After a good, solid win for the crew today, uh, they defeat Pittsburgh by a 4-2 score this afternoon to split that four-game series and also uh, have an above 500 homestand. They go 4-3 and three on the homestand, and they now hit the road once again. As always, if you'd like to join us, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also always tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Uh, now, the NBA draft is continuing on. You just heard uh, Draft Central. The moment that the Bucks make their pick, and I think there is that pick number 15 they're on right now, Ashton? Yeah, they're on pick number 15 right now. And uh, they, uh, the, Brewer, uh, the Brewers, I'm, I'm in Brewers mode. That might not be the first time I call the Bucks the Brewers tonight. Uh, the Bucks are picking number 17. So we'll uh, interrupt our Brewers coverage for a moment or so uh, once the pick does come down the line. So you can keep it right here, and we'll have that for you coming up here in just a little while. Um, on the program tonight, we'll look back at today's game. A good win today, and a, an important win. You, when it's a 162 game season, you you kind of put that into smaller periods of time, and you want to accomplish certain things during those smaller periods of time. And I think the Brewers accomplished some things with the win today, and I'll explain that coming up later on in the program. Also, the Brewers have, I guess it's a good problem to have. They, they've got a guy right now in Eric Sogard that quite simply you cannot take off the field. And, you know, I was, uh, I was talking about Eric Sogard a couple weeks ago on this show maybe. I think it was two weeks ago we were talking about Eric Sogard. And I was making the point that, hey, this guy has a, a long major league track record. It's not like this is a guy who's just coming up. You know, and he's a prospect. He's not a he's not a Lewis Prince. He's not a Brett Phillips. This is a guy who's been around it for a while, and not just in the minor leagues. I mean, this is a guy who has a significant amount of time in the big leagues. In fact, coming into this season, he had 435 games and over 1,200 at bats in the big leagues. So my point has always been: you kind of knew what you were going to get with him, where he was a 239 hitter in his seven major league seasons. I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to kind of get jazzed up by the idea that maybe I don't think he's going to keep up what he's doing right now. I mean, it's ridiculous the numbers that he's putting up right now. Sogard is hitting 366. He has a 466 on base percentage. He's almost getting on base. He's getting on base close to half the time he comes to the plate. He's got an OPS over 1,000. He's the only player on the team with an OPS over 1,000. This guy is putting up just flat out ridiculous numbers and by the way he's playing a darn good second base as well he made a play today where he threw home he got to a ball first and then he was able to throw home and it was it was pretty incredible and you know Jonathan VR is close to returning I I don't know if there's a scenario where Jonathan VR can be your starting second baseman again I don't you have to at least as long as this team is in first place and as long as this team is contending don't you have to run Eric Sogard out every single day, essentially? That that's not. I've said this many times. At, at times, the the long term plan of the team and the development and everything, and then being in first place, they kind of go against each other. 
because if you're not contending this year, you can you can play a Lewis Brinson every single day. You can play Jonathan VR every single day. But the fact that they continue to sit in first place, uh, they do need to worry about winning, and they do need to worry about putting the the best team out on the field. And right now, the Brewers are better with Eric Sogard than Jonathan VR. Now, obviously, Jonathan VR is injured, but he's going to be back soon. He was scheduled to begin a rehab assignment tonight along with Ryan Braun in Appleton for the Timber Rattlers. That game did not get played due to rain. They'll play a doubleheader tomorrow, so those guys will begin the rehab assignment tomorrow. But nonetheless, the Brewers are two games up right now in the National League Central. The Cubs are playing right now against the Marlins, and the Cubs have an 8-1 lead, so they'll probably in all likelihood win that game. So it'll go down to a game and a half. But the Brewers are continuing to lead the division, and they're continuing to uh, play quite well. We'll keep you updated on that Cubs game as we do go along uh, tonight. So again, on the program, uh, we'll get more into uh, the the Sogard situation, uh, what happens when Jonathan VR get back, gets back? What happens when Ryan Braun comes back? That's uh, pretty soon as well. Why does this team continue to just be absolutely resilient? And we saw that in the win again today. We'll get into that. And then there was some news this week about uh, the Brewers' AAA affiliation changing again after next year. That is going to happen. They are going to be in a different city after next season because Colorado Springs, Colorado is losing their AAA team. Uh, what does that mean for the Brewers? Where will they probably end up? I'll go through that uh, and give you my take on that later on in the program as well. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is available, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. We're also probably within 10 minutes or so of getting the Bucks uh, draft pick, and uh, we will head to Brooklyn and hear uh, from Commissioner Adam Silver once that goes down, and then we'll bring Greg Matzik uh, back in from uh, the Bucks uh, offices and training facility, and we'll get his take uh, on on the pick that is made. So that's uh, that's all coming up. We got a busy hour uh, here on WTMJ. We'll take a break and have more Brewers Weekly in just a moment here on WTMJ. Swing and a smash towards right off the glove of Thames. The throw coming to the plate. There's going to be a play, and they got him! Eric Thames with a diving fly on that bullet hit to right. He got a glove on it. Sogard picked it up and threw a strike to Fandy, and they nailed Adam Frazier. That was a great play today. That was a fun play today as uh, the Brewers get the win over the Pittsburgh Pirates by a final score of 4-2. They end up splitting the four-game series. Welcome back into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. One other notable thing, I'm just going to I am going to scream to the high heavens about this. And nobody wants to hear me scream. I know that. But I, I am going to continue to talk about this over and over and over. Corey Knable did something absolutely remarkable today. Corey Knable got a strikeout. Now, that's, that's, that's good and all, but the remarkable thing is he has appeared in 38 games this year. He has at least one strikeout in every single one of the 38 games he's appeared in this season. That is a new major league record as uh, he passes up Araldus Chapman. Chapman was actually in first and second place. He had the two longest streaks to start a season. 
Well, Corey Knable, and like I'm not, and I don't say this to put down Corey Knable at all, but Araldus Chapman is known. I mean, since you, you think about dominant closers in Major League Baseball right now, and that's the guy whose name really pops up first. And it was it was big news when Chapman was able to set that record. And now Corey Knable in little old Milwaukee does it. Lord knows it probably won't even show up on SportsCenter tonight. Like, I don't think anybody's talking about it. And it's just, it's the bias that goes along with being in a media market the size of Milwaukee. If a Yankee does this, if a Dodger does this, it's, it's all over the place. I'm sure it'll get some mention on MLB Network, but as far as really mainstream media... It's it's not going to be noticed, and it, it absolutely de- deserves to be noticed. Since 1900, the modern era of Major League Baseball, nobody in the history of the game has started out a season and had a strikeout in as many consecutive appearances as Corey Knable. That is absolutely remarkable, and good on him for doing it. And he finally kind of talked about it after he tied the record yesterday. Now he sets the record, and uh, he just continues to get strikeouts. I mean, when you go look at his numbers, he has thrown 37 and two-thirds innings this year, 65 strikeouts and 17 walks. 65 strikeouts and 17 walks. That is, that is remarkable. I keep using that word remarkable. You need to find some other words to, to use for that. And he's got a .96 ERA, by the way. Hitters are hitting just 147 against him. We had a call on this show a couple weeks ago, somebody trying to put down Corey Knable saying he wasn't doing the job. And I, look, that, that person was as wrong as you can be because Corey Knable absolutely is doing a spectacular job. And as the closer, he's got 12 saves now. He continues to come through on an almost everyday basis. This is uh, Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. If you'd like to join the program, you can do so on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. When we come back, what happens to this Brewers team when Jonathan VR comes back? What is going to be the role for Jonathan VR? He can't be your starting everyday second baseman when Eric Sogard is getting on base half the time. And he's all. I mean, he had he had two doubles today. He, he has twelve doubles of his forty-one hits. This guy's hitting for extra bases as well. What do you do when Jonathan VR is back? And he's scheduled to be back with the club next week. That's a it's a good question. We'll take your comments on it if you'd like to get in here on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line at four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. You can also tweet at me if you'd like at Matt Pauley Radio M A T T P A U L E Y Radio. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks are on the clock, so we will uh, we'll kind of pause what we're doing Brewers-related as soon as the pick starts to come down from Brooklyn, and uh, we'll get you updated on that. We'll hear from uh, Greg Matzik back at the uh, Bucks training facility as well. So the moment it comes down, we will absolutely let you know about it. This is Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. Weekly rolling on here on WTMJ. My name's Matt Pauley. We're uh, about a minute or so out from uh, finding out who the Bucks are going to pick in the NBA draft. So we'll uh, pause our Brewers conversation once that comes down. Before the Bucks pick comes in, though, let's head to the phones at 414-799-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Kenny is in West Bend. Kenny, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, 
I I think the Brewers are really in a conundrum right now. Um, they got 40 wins in arguably the weakest division in baseball. Do you buy or sell? I would not want to be David Stearns right now. I mean, do you go for it? Or do you continue with the rebuilding plan? Um, I'll hang up and listen. All right, great, great question. I appreciate it. I think you, I think you buy light, buy very, very light. And what I mean by that is, the only assets you give away are assets that you were going to probably lose. There are top thirty prospects in the organization because the Brewers organization is just so stacked. There are prospects in the organization that are never going to make it onto the 40-man roster, are never going to see Miller Park. They're just never going to get here. And there's a finite amount of time that you can have guys in the minor league system without adding them to a 40-man roster. And once you get past that point, you essentially, you know, baseball is complicated and all the rules and everything, but to be very, to dumb it down, you basically have to allow any other team to select them. So I think there's some guys that the Brewers are not going to put onto the 40-man roster this upcoming offseason that maybe would be good enough to be on the 40-man roster for some other teams that are still considered fairly high-level prospects. And if they can go, if they can go help get some help in the bullpen by training one of those guys, do it. But no, they're not gonna. They're not gonna be. You know, there's gonna be some big names out there on the trade market here uh, this this offseason very soon. And not off season, this this trade season. Uh, there, there's going to be some big names out there. In fact, we already saw today that the Marlins are willing to ship a lot of people away. The Marlins are already going into sell mode. I mean, the moment the draft ends, all the teams. I saw so many scouts at Miller Park over the last few days. The scouts haven't. I mean, there's been some scouts at Miller Park, but a lot of those amateur scouts get reassigned to the pro side as soon as the draft gets done. And I saw a ton of guys. All of a sudden, at Miller Park here over the last few days, more scouts in the last three days than there were seemingly all year long. And I'm overstating that. But the point is, uh, there's going to be moves to be made. There's going to be some big names traded. The Brewers are not going to be in the market for those big names. They're not going to be willing to uh, leverage any of of their high-level prospects. But you can go make a small move. And I think as long as you're continuing to sit in contention... There's nothing wrong with going and making a small move. Now, there's there's a large contingent of the fan base that really wants the Brewers to make a splash, to go get a ton of bullpen help and, you know, get some big names and maybe get a starter or two because, hey, you know, this team is just a, a few players away from doing something special. That's not going to happen. They've worked too hard to rebuild the minor league system to to kind of throw it away uh, based off going for it on one year. They want the core guys on this team to be guys that they develop, and it's going to be more so in future years. And maybe that's not, you know, maybe they missed the playoffs this year because of it. Maybe the Cubs finally uh, catch, uh, catch fire, and the, the Brewers just miss out on being able to get into the postseason. And you might sit there and you might uh, lament the fact that. They uh, they didn't they they didn't make a move to make it in the postseason. Well, they didn't do that because the team wants to um, the team wants to compete at a higher level moving forward. Where they're not just competing to get into the postseason, they're competing to try to win championships. 
That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It looks like Adam Silver is walking up to the podium in Brooklyn. Let's let's send it out to Brooklyn here for just a moment. Uh, The Bucks pick should be coming down in uh, just a moment or so. With the 17th pick in the 2017 NBA Draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select D.J. Wilson from the University of Michigan. All right, there it is, D.J. Wilson from the University of Michigan. He is a forward, and uh, let's—I've been on—I've uh, been on Brewers duty. So if I'm going to try to sit here and try to act like I can break down the NBA draft for you, I'd be completely disingenuous. So let's go to a guy who's uh, more locked in on everything that's uh, going on. That is our own Greg Matzik. He is at the uh, Bucks training facility right now. Greg, what's uh, what's your take on this pick? Oh, very interesting pick. DJ Wilson, a guy out of the Big Ten, uh, had a tremendous month of March. Uh, did some great things in the conference tournament and in the NCAA tournament. And he he kind of fits the profile here of what the Bucks have done in the past several years. He stands six ten. He's two thirty. Got a very long wingspan of seven three. But today, anyway, he is more of a perimeter threat than he is a banger down low. I mean, this guy can step out and hit the three. Shot about thirty seven percent from behind the arc last season. He's 21 years old. He was a registered sophomore, so he does fit into that category of early entry candidate, uh, but may- maybe slightly older than some of those young bucks that have gone off the draft board ahead of him. And look, this guy was injured his freshman year, had a, a kind of a quiet redshirt freshman year, and then his sophomore year, he really started to bloom. And in the month of March, I mean, he was a 17.8 rebound kind of guy that showed the ability to score inside and out. He runs well, he's fluid, he has good hands, he's a good shooter. He's not a banger at 6'10", but he kind of fits in the mold of this this incredibly long team that the Bucks have built over the last several years. You know, size is not as big of a deal in the NBA as it was uh, as it was before. But does he somebody that they've got to worry about if he's playing inside the block, being uh, bumped around a little bit? Well, I, I think he comes in with with nice skills to play power forward. So I, I don't think you're going to see too many situations where you know he's backed down by one of the monster centers in the league. You know, it, it, it's it's an adjustment, right? You've got to be able to stay with some of those smaller, quicker players that play the power forward position. Some can, you know, put their back to the basket and bang around a little bit. But where he really will, I think, help the Bucks, uh, and he'll develop over time. So I mean, it's not you know like tomorrow he's going to walk in and start averaging 12 points and 10 rebounds. But if he can stretch the floor a little bit and become a rotation player at some point throughout the regular season, I think you're off to a good start. But I think his ability to shoot the ball uh, and score with a, a, a bit of ease uh, in transition and uh, throughout the half-court offense, I think that's what he brings today. And the rest of that game will be developed over time. Would you guess that this guy's going to start the season with the Bucks or with the Herd? Yeah, that remains to be seen. That's always a tough one. You know, it... You have to see how things shape up because you know you're coming into the season without Jabari Parker healthy. You may not see him until March. Okay, Greg Monroe's coming back, and that's great. But let's get through the free agent period and, and kind of see how this roster looks once we hit September and training camp is about to begin. And then again, you also have to see how the player develops. So, uh, but you're right in saying that the Bucks do have another avenue for young players to receive playing time. And it's certainly the the D-League franchise that affiliated in Oshkosh is a tremendous outlet for any young player that, you know, just needs more minutes and more time on the floor. Um, But we'll see, right? It's it's, it's all in time. 
Don Maker didn't have that luxury really last year. They kept him on the big league club, and uh, he ultimately turned into uh, having a nice rookie season and was important in the playoffs. So you ideally want a rotation player at some point in the regular season. I think if you can do that at number 17, you found yourself a nice piece. Last thing for you, and I don't know the setup of where you're at the training facility, are you able to see the reaction of, uh, of Bucks folks after the pick is made, or are they kind of sequestered off in another area? Yeah, no, it, you, we just see that on the TV broadcast. It's uh, assembled media here at the training facility. Um, as Twitter works, there were not a tremendous amount of oohs and ahs. I think the pick was kind of expected, as it was leaked on Twitter uh, minutes before. It was actually made official, but you know this seems to fit, right? The Bucks are an incredibly athletic and long team, and DJ Wilson fits that mold. Uh, I would say he is less of a project to start the season than Thon Maker, um, but I also believe that you know his ceiling may not be as high as a guy like Thon's, but he can step in and I think be a nice piece to this Bucks roster that you know wasn't a great defensive rebounding team last season. They shot more threes last year, but their percentage wasn't tremendous. But another guy who can stretch the floor at 6'10 and knock down a three-point shot in today's NBA, I mean, that's, that's kind of where he is, and it, it's a nice fit, I think, for where the NBA is going and what this Bucks roster looks like today. All right, Greg, great stuff. Enjoy the rest of the night. Still one more pick to go, uh, so we'll see what they do with that coming up in just a while. All right, have a good show. All right, very good. There's, uh, there's Greg Matzik joining us from the uh, Bucks training facility as uh, the pick is in. And don't forget, uh, we'll continue with coverage with that, and, and Doug Russell will have all the, everything on the picks coming up uh, tomorrow morning, and, and Greg will be contributing to that. So we've got the, we have the NBA draft absolutely covered here on WTMJ. But we're talking Brewers. We're going to get back into that uh, the Sogard VR conversation. We'll do that coming up in uh, just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly rolling on here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in with us. If you'd like to join the program, join the conversation, you can do so on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line 414-799-1620. Or you can always tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Uh, the It was once again another very good day for Eric Sogard. Sogard today at the plate in the Brewers' 4-2 win over Pittsburgh. Sogard goes 3-for-4, two runs, uh, has two doubles, has an incredible play in the field that saves a run. I mean, this guy is just doing everything. You talk about individuals who can contribute to wins. There, there's sometimes where there's players who tend to come up with hits and RBIs and home runs in, in moments that don't really matter in games. Eric Sogard is the 180 degree opposite of that. He continues to come up at the biggest moments and really come through. And the Brewers have a situation en route because Jonathan VR was scheduled to begin his rehab assignment in Appleton tonight. Now, the Timber Rattlers game, it was postponed due to rain. They're going to play a doubleheader tomorrow. Ryan Braun is there as well. And by the way, I saw some video from, uh, from one of the local TV news people uh, up in the Fox Valley. Even though they uh, rained out the game, Ryan Braun went out to the concourse and signed autographs for, for a while. And, you know, when you're a, when you're a big league guy, not just a, a caliber player caliber of, the, of Ryan Braun, but when you're, when you're there, that's a... That's a work trip. You're trying to get healthy. You're trying to get back. You, you go there. 
You, you're focused on playing the game. You're focused on getting your treatment. You're focused on getting out of there. And kudos to Ryan Braun for realizing that a lot of people showed up to that ballpark with the hope that they could see him play. And once they couldn't see him play, he was at least going to uh, go out there and, and sign some autographs. So that's a, that's a class move by Ryan Braun. That's the sidebar. So Jonathan VR is supposed to be there. What do you do when VR gets gets back though? That's the question. I mean, here are the numbers. So Jonathan VR in 59 games with the Brewers and 225 at bats, he hit 213, six home runs, 26 RBIs, 14 of 18 in stolen base attempts, and his on base percentage is uh, 283, which is horrendous for a leadoff hitter. And then you have Eric Sogard. It is a smaller sample size, but it's getting to a point where it's uh, he's played enough that it's fairly legitimate. He's appeared in 35 games. He's got 112 at-bats. He's hitting 366. He's getting on base at a clip of 466. He's playing a strong defense. He's only committed one error. He's making plays that generally... He's making plays that you would not expect somebody to make, like the play today where first getting to the ball, you wouldn't expect them to be able to get to it. Throwing home, you wouldn't expect that either. I mean, he made two separate plays within the play that were both, uh, that were both pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, Dwayne in Milwaukee says, with respect to VR, my thought is that he becomes the role player much like Superman Sogard was uh, doing before. I don't know if they want to put Jonathan VR at shortstop or third base again. I mean, if he comes back and Scooter Jeanette doesn't make this team because he could only play second base. And I know they tried him in some other positions, but Scooter Jeanette is a second baseman, and he's not especially good at any other position. And that skill set, quite simply, did not fit this roster for this year. So Jonathan VR was the shortstop last year, but they wanted to work him in to be a second baseman. You know, He was not good when he was at third base. Last year, he, he commits a lot of errors, both at shortstop and third. I don't know if this organization wants to put him back over there. I think they're more comfortable with him at second. So to me, he, you use VR at second base when you can, and you don't have much of a role for him beyond that. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay says, Sogar reminds me of a multi-positional Scooter Jeanette. He says, who I miss, a good all-around guy and steady player. No way I would sit him at this point for the erratic VR. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can sit Eric Sogard at this point. Now, might you might you play Sogard three out of four days and give VR one out of four? Maybe. Like, that's the most that I would probably go with VR at this point. Even, I think, one out of three versus two out of three. I think, you know, all of a sudden that's every third day you don't have Eric Sogard in your lineup. That's That's not a great thing. Now, as long as Ryan Braun is out, I guess you could throw Sogard out in left field if you really needed to. But Ryan Braun's going to be back next week as well. You know, Sogard can go play some other positions. If Travis Shaw needs a day off, I, I think the Brewers are probably more willing to move Sogard around than they are VR. I just get the sense that when VR's back, he's a second baseman, that they want him to continue to develop at second base. That was the whole idea. I mean, just because this team is in first place, just because this team is contending, doesn't mean that you stop the development process. And part of the development this year was developing Jonathan VR 
as a second baseman. We've heard Craig Council talk about it a lot that you know, especially early on in the year when Jonathan VR was making some bad mistakes defensively at second base, Craig Council would continuously say that you know it's all about getting a feel and it's all about kind of learning the position. And you learn the position by playing the position. I, I I feel like you start to regress with VR if you put him back at shortstop, you know, if he's going to be a utility guy. I don't know. This is a this is a darned if you do, darned if you don't situation right now for the Brewers. I guess the only place you're not darned is having Eric Sogard in the lineup because of how well he's playing. And I don't know how long these numbers are going to last, but as long as he's going, you've got to pencil him into the lineup just about every single day. So this is going to be a question come early next week. Uh, the rehab assignment for VR and Braun scheduled to end at uh, after Sunday. Monday is an off day, and then the Brewers will begin a series at Cincinnati on Tuesday. That's That Tuesday is kind of the day right now that's being penciled in for both VR and Braun to return to the lineup. So we're just a few days away. What what does it look like at that point? We'll have to wait and see. It's a good problem to have when you've got a, when you've got multiple players who are uh, who are you know performing well. I guess Sogard's performing well. VR was getting it going a little bit before he got injured. That's you know, let's let's be fair to him. He was he was uh, he was swinging it just a bit better. But still, nothing to the level of what Sogard has done so far this year. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is available, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. We'll take a break. You may have heard the news this week. The Brewers are going to have another AAA affiliate. And it's going to uh, happen after next year. They will no longer be in Colorado Springs. What does that mean for the future affiliation of the Brewers? I'll do my best to uh, explain the situation to you and give my take on where I think the Brewers probably end up. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues on here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join the program, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. That is 414-799-1620 as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. I'll explain the situation with the Brewers AAA affiliate and where they probably will be going forward. That's coming up here in the next few minutes. But right now, let's jump right back to the phones. Joshua is in Kenosha. Joshua, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm going to uh, talk about something that's not on your topic list tonight, but uh, replay. What do, do you know? Can you give us anything else on, on what these guys are looking at? Um, over the weekend, one of the Padres games, the, even the clip on the Brewers' website uh, has the Padres announcers talking the whole time. Our guy's clearly out. This isn't even hard. It's easy. He's out. James has the ball. He's on the bag. They come back from replay, umpires call them safe. A um, couple weeks ago, the the Thames play at the plate when Council got ejected. I mean, supposedly they've got linked video where they can watch four different angles simultaneously, you know, with, with the timestamp simultaneously. Is this of uh, old umpires not understanding the technology, not adjusting to how they, I mean, because it's, it's a little different than calling a play live, right? So they should have a different little bit technique of what they're trying to do when they call the guy safe and out on this video. Yeah, Joshua, uh, I, I appreciate just... the phone call. And look, I, I don't like the replay system. I don't like the replay system 
at all. It's it to me. It's just it's horrendous. I don't think they get calls right enough. Uh, and, and for folks who don't understand how the replay system works, there's an umpiring crew. There's actually two umpiring crews that are that go through New York. So, like, the umpiring crew that was in Milwaukee today, they could be in New York tomorrow, and they could be assigned to the replay center. So it's acting real umpires who are just in there for a few days, and then they move on. I, I my change, Here's what I would do with, with re- replay. If you can't make the decision in 90 seconds, you don't make the change. I shut the monitors off after 90 seconds. If it's not obvious enough after 90 seconds, you just end it. And that, to me, again, this is the the idea of replay is to overturn obvious bad calls. And if it's close enough that you can't figure it out in 90 seconds, just shut the monitors off. I'd put in some sort of automated system where there's a clock going down. I would not allow managers to have the video person upstairs tell them whether or not to uh, challenge it. It should be something that with their bare eye, if they think it's a challengeable call, they challenge it right there. Maybe give them a couple extra challenges out of it because you might challenge a little bit more. But you know, you know what slows down games is the constant waiting 30 seconds to decide if you're going to challenge a play or not. So I would also do that. The, it's different than football. In football, it, it's almost, I think it's almost a, a situation where you can where, where it's a lot more black and white. There seems to be a lot more plays in baseball because there's so many different moving parts. Was was his foot barely coming off the bag as the ball's coming into the glove and things like that? I would actually change it to likely. Is it likely that this was what the play was? That it doesn't have to be 100 percent overwhelming evidence because it's just not working and it doesn't they don't get all the plays right it's nice when it does work but it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time and when a system does not work a hundred percent of the time you get it, it it brings a variable into the game that's just no good so i don't know if i answered your question i don't like the system i think it gets things not right way too often and i think there's a lot more fixes that they could do with it all right we'll get into those changes uh with the brewers minor league system coming up and we'll wrap up this edition of brewers weekly uh that's uh, up next here on wtmj Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. have a few minutes left, and I've gotten a ton of questions over the last couple of days about the Brewers minor league system because of the news uh, that the AAA franchise in Colorado Springs is going to be moving out of Colorado Springs. And those, for those of you who don't know my background, I before I came here to Milwaukee, I spent six years as one of the broadcasters for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. My last year there was the Brewers' first year there, uh, and uh, it was uh, it had been a Rockies affiliate prior to that. So basically, the bottom line is, after next year, the Brewers are not going to have their AAA affiliate in Colorado Springs. The AAA team that currently exists in Colorado Springs is moving to San Antonio. The AA team that currently exists in San Antonio is moving to Amarillo, Texas. And there is a short-season rookie-level team in the Pioneer League in Helena, Montana. They are going to move into Colorado Springs. Now, that team happens to be the Brewers' rookie league team. It is the Helena Brewers. So there is a chance that the Brewers will continue to have an affiliate in Colorado Springs, but it would be short-season uh, rookie ball, not AAA ball. 
But what does this mean for, for the Brewers? Does this mean that their organizational AAA team is now going to be located in San Antonio? Probably not. And this is why. The, the way you affiliate with your minor league teams, unless you own one of your minor league affiliates, the way you uh, affiliate is through a, a PDC, a player development contract. And that PDC between the current AAA franchise in Colorado Springs that's moving to San Antonio, it is up after next year. Now, there's a lot of moving parts right now in the Pacific Coast League. And in Round Rock, Texas, there's the Round Rock Express. And that team is owned and has a managing interest with the Ryan family, as in Nolan Ryan. He signed a long-term player development agreement when he was serving as the president of the Texas Rangers. Well, the Rangers fired him. So since then, the Rangers and the Ryan family have had to work together on their AAA affiliate, even though there was that bad blood of Nolan Ryan being let go from the Rangers earlier. That deal comes up after 2018. Now, the Ryan family is now involved with the Houston Astros because Nolan Ryan's kid, Reed Ryan, is uh, out there as a president. Nolan Ryan works as an advisor. So in all likelihood, the Houston Astros are going to move into Round Rock. That's going to make the Texas Rangers kind of a free agent. Most people think that that's going to put uh, the Rangers in San Antonio, and all of a sudden the team that's left over is the Fresno Grizzlies. So there's a pretty good chance that the Brewers, if no other pieces fall and no other dominoes fall, and there's some other dominoes, I don't have time to go through all the other scenarios that I think could play out, and I think there's some interesting ones out there. But the, the good news is... The Brewers will be out of Colorado Springs. Their pitchers won't have to be there anymore. Uh, the bad news is their affiliate will be even further away in Fresno, California. I'm actually going to be on with Doug Russell and uh, Gene Miller tomorrow at Brewers 360 uh, to talk a little bit more about that. All right, that is it for the program. The news is next here on WTMJ.